Welcome to this week's episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your host, Lisa Drennan, author of Forgiving the Girl Inside, Finding Balance, Freedom, and Fun in Your Life. Be sure to download your free ebook at lisadrennan.com. Welcome to this episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, Energetic Mindset Mentor. And today we have an incredible life coach that is going to share her modalities of her healing journey. Please welcome, and I don't have my notes in front of me, so just bear with me. Um, Meg is a life coach who is passionate about walking with people who want more out of life than just the status quo. And if you're out there going through the motions of life, getting up every day and just expecting what's going to expect, not really looking for any adventures or you're maybe you're chasing your dreams instead of living your dreams. There's so much to appreciate about life. And Meg shares that she believes that life doesn't have to work out exactly the way we think it should in order to be enjoyed and that people don't have to be perfect in order to be loved. Hmm. Perfectly imperfect. Welcome, Meg. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us here. Oh, I'm so thankful to be here. And I love, I love what you talk about with the status quo, right? Because so many of us feel like, oh, I'm just sort of going through the motions and we don't have to do that. So I love the fact that you put the emphasis on that. <laughs> yes. So tell us, how did what was your journey like before you hit that darkest moment in your life? Yeah, you know, it's such a fascinating thing because I sort of grew up in an environment that was dark. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I unfortunately came from a family that although they loved each other very, very much, they had no idea how to express that love. And so very often that love was expressed in ways that were more painful. Things like, um, you know, there's expectations to be a certain way. And if you weren't that way, then there, there were definitely consequences and I would call them punishments for not measuring up that way. Now the intention behind that was good, but the experience was so difficult. Um, especially if maybe you're a child that was a little more sensitive, which me and some of my brothers were, um, then to be in that environment where when you didn't measure up, you know, there was such a severe punishment for that. It really sort of put a cap on what you thought was possible for yourself. And for me personally, what I ended up doing is just sort of building a shell of a person that I showed the world. (laughs) So (laughs) yes, I was this, you know, well put together, friendly, kind, loving person to the outside, but inside I was extremely broken. And I sort of had this idea that at some point in time, when I would become an adult, that everything would go away. Like I would magically, you know, be able to control my life and everything would be fine. And I would be free, right? You have these like beautiful little ideas when you're a child. And I, I hit my twenties and got the things that I thought would make me feel better. My husband, we had a good life together. You know, we had a home, we had a business. Um, and it was then that I realized, oh, that's not enough to heal what's wrong inside. And I actually had to go into that place where I went, okay, it's time to actually turn inward, no longer just concerned about the things that are happening outside of me, but it's time to turn inward and say, what is happening inside of me that's causing me to struggle? 
what's happening inside of me? What don't I want to face? That is really the key to joy in life and fulfillment in life um, that I haven't looked at yet. And that became, like you said, a dark time um, because it's never fun to look inward. It's never fun to dig into your shadow and try to find out your blind spots and look at, and for me, this was a big one, look at what my motivation had been my entire life. I came across as the type of person who was very loving, um, but my motivation for everything that I did was fear. And so behind that fear, there was a selfishness of, I'll please you to get what I want. I'll please you to get what I want. And when I realized that it was such, it was such an emotional thing. I remember realizing that and just tears kind of just falling because here I thought I had been such a good person my entire life and to now have it exposed that actually what I had been doing is I had very refined ways of manipulating people to get my way. It was a very humbling experience. And, um, and unfortunately it was a yeah very, very painful um, time for me, but it was something that, that was necessary to go through. I find that interesting. I, I too was a people pleaser and, you know, I did it hiding behind the happy face. You know, if you knew the real me, you wouldn't want you wouldn't like me um, nor respect me. I, I find it, um, I've never heard anybody admit that they were a manipulator. So how did you come, that word has such a strong, um, when you said that word, it hit me like right in the heart because it was, I grew up with a lot of manipulated people, people who manipulated me, gaslighting and all of that. So when you say that you were a manipulator, how did you recognize that? And like, can you give us examples of like what you would do? Absolutely. You know, it's such an interesting thing because I was probably the most pleasant manipulator ever (laughs) because I most certainly wasn't, I most certainly wasn't um, hurting people. I wasn't, you know, doing behaviors that would make them think they were crazy or that would, um, you know, make them doubt themselves. But I was manipulating people by allowing them to be reliant on me so that I became a bigger part of their life so that I could get the love that I wanted. Right. So mm. let's say I had, I had family members that had something important to them. Well, I would really support that important thing so that I became someone that they relied on. And I would, I would meet their needs. Oh, if they needed this, if they needed that, I would do it. But I realized that I was making what other people thought was important, important to me so that I could get their attention. So although it was pleasant, it was a pleasant experience, but it was still, it was still manipulation because did I really care about the thing that they were passionate about? No, not really. Right. So I was very strategic about going, oh, okay, this is important to you. So what I'll do is I'll make it important to me too. And I'll, I'll say, let me help you and let me do this for you and let me do that for you. And why don't I take over this part of the project? And they were like, oh my word, you're amazing. You're a godsend. You're so lovely, blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, my little, you know, ego was just being stroked like, oh, just, Mm. you know, (laughs) so I didn't seem like the evil maniacal manipulator, you know, ha, 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 ha but it was the same thing. It was just more refined, right? And that's mm-hmm. an interesting thing because we forget just because the way we do it is more refined, just because the way we do it is more pleasant, it doesn't mean that it's good, right? And society will reward a person like me with 
lots and lots of friendships, lots and lots of, you know, connection and with lots and lots of what I call fake love because they didn't know the real me. They loved the me that I was pretending to be. Um, but it, but it's it's still a dangerous game to play and it's still extremely painful. And it's also painful once that person realizes, no, you didn't care about the, the things that they cared about. You were in it for something for yourself. And and so even though it's more refined and, and society will will applaud it because they don't recognize it, that doesn't mean it's good, right? And that was that was difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and just all the the conflict that you must have had inside your, your inner child and just going back and, you know, between the heart and the mind and, you know, the thoughts and, you know, just constantly being in this turmoil of, you know, I imagine, ouch, I imagine it was happy, sad, happy, sad, um, kind of like that emotional roller coaster ride that you were on. Yeah. So what, when did you finally have enough? What was that pivot point? Yeah, you know it's interesting because I there's an author that I really appreciate, and his name is uh, Richard Rohr, and he says something that I found to be very, very fascinating and true. And he says all great change comes either through great suffering or through great love. And for me, when I was 25, I had my first son, and I looked at him and I went, "I will, I never want him to have the life that I have." And it was this great love that, because I'd been through suffering. <laughs> I'd been through mm-hmm. suffering and I have an amazing tolerance for suffering. Suffering wasn't doing it for me. But when I finally had my son, I went, oh, I am his example. He will model himself after me. And of course, his dad as mm-hmm. well, but he will model himself after me. And so I need to be rock solid in integrity. I need to be the best and most authentic version that I can be. Now that's very, very different than perfect. I don't have to be perfect, but I need to be, I need to be his mama and I need to do it in a really, really good way. And so that was when I first began to say, okay, I need, I need to change. And then two years later, I had my second son and my second son was born with high functioning autism. And so his needs were completely different than any other child. And it was then that my true self had to come out even more so because there was no way he, that child was ever going to people please anyone. Like if you, for every, every child on the autism spectrum is different, but my child is very authentically himself and he will not change for anyone. And, you know, society be damned, he's going to be himself. And I, it was such an eye opening experience what that looked like again. And then to go, mm. I need to advocate for that. I need to say to society, make room for this kid. And what I had always done instead was model myself for everyone else. So having that responsibility again to be his mother was that moment for me that I went, okay, I thought I, I thought I was doing it with Roan. And now I realized with Harrison, boom, I got to go even bigger. And, and then it was no holds bar. Like then it was just, I was on a train and I, I was going towards a different kind of life. And it was, a, it was a really beautiful, beautiful experience. I had the best motivation. <laughs> Yeah. Kids will definitely do that for you, you know, motivate you because you don't realize how much you, your actions speak so loudly and, you know, they do. I think they, I think they take after the mom more than the dad, um, just because dad's usually not there during the day he's out working or something. Of course, in the last 18 months, that may be different. Um, and And I know sometimes swapped as well, but yeah, our actions speak so loudly and it's amazing how we can see through, um, 
somebody with autism Asperger's or, you know, any limitations that way, they're really not limited. They don't have the roadblocks, the hazards that we put in front of ourselves because they just don't, they're so in the now. And it's such a beautiful thing to watch, to, to see how their minds work and just be like, I want to be like that. Why can't I just be me? And, you know, because we believe that there's all these rules that, you know, society has, but I mean, who made them up and are they true? And why do we believe them? So really, you know, captivating our thoughts and just really like looking at them and then responding is so important. And people who can do that just naturally are just fascinating because it's like no limitations. You're living in the now and you get rid of all that those expectations that where did they come from and how did they get there? So I'm glad you were able to pivot away from that. And it's almost like you kind of like shed your old self and, and we're immersed with this beautiful new person yeah. that, that totally got that. So what modalities did you implement to help you get to where you are today? Yeah. You know what? It's such an interesting thing. So I started my self-help journey and then the first thing obviously that I did was just try to get all of this information, right? Like you go and you, you're just absorbed in all this information that you didn't realize was out there. But for me, the biggest thing that I needed to realize, and I actually ended up getting a life coach myself. So this was way before I was a life coach. This was in my twenties. I'm in my forties now. Um, I ended up getting a life coach. And what we really worked on is how do you feel about yourself? Because although Mm. my parents always meant well, and although my parents loved me deeply, they never sat down and talked about, hey, how do you feel about yourself? Do you love yourself? Do you, you know, admire yourself? Do you respect yourself? Those conversations were never had, ever. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized is I don't really love who I am. I don't really have any type of respect for myself. And so finally digging into you know, what stops me from loving myself? What parts of myself do I actually need to accept? What parts of myself have I rejected for years that actually I need to incorporate, right? And like I said, being a mom to two boys, I really had to like get this other side of me that I'd always thought was wrong or bad or whatever. I needed to reject it. Now I needed to embrace it. I needed to speak up. I needed to have an opinion. I needed to set boundaries. All of those things that for me had been considered bad or wrong. Um, And for me, I had grown up in a religion, which really, um, really spoke highly of self-sacrifice. And so even that was part of the damage done, although the religion itself is a beautiful religion. But for me, this message of self-sacrifice only made me even worse, so to speak. I'm using bunny bunny ears quotation marks, but I'll I'll use that kind of of loosely. Um, And so first, this idea of finding my own worth was huge and understanding that I actually have value, that my life experience can be validated. My opinions can are valid. It's okay that I think differently than other people. Really digging into those things, excuse me, those things was was huge for me and and definitely my first step. Yeah, and it's so important and um, that asking your your you know anybody out there with kids, asking them what do they think about themselves? Where do they see themselves? Like you know do they want to get married? Who do they want to marry? What is their spouse going to look like? What kind of, you know, characteristics, attributes do they have? Where are you going to live? You know, we don't ask our children that. And I know it was a, I was well into my forties before someone said, well, where do you, where do you want to be five years from now? 
like, I don't know, <laughs> not here, <laughs> not where I am right now, you know, but it was such a, a, a an invasive question that I was like, wow, no one's really asked me those things before and to be able to dream and then reverse engineer it and really write out that, like you said, that self-help, that self-love journey and the power of writing it is so important for our subconscious because then it's going to remember it and we're going to actually act on it. So that's beautiful that you had the life coach, you knew you needed that accountability partner, yeah. someone to walk you through and kind of keep you guided and, and hold you accountable for making these changes because it is, it's a daily healing journey to say, no, I'm not going to go back to that old way. So what advice would you give somebody that's struggling um, with what you went through? Yeah, you know, it's interesting if, and and I love the word that you use people pleaser, right? Mm-hmm. Um And so many of us as women are sort of trained up to be that type of person. So I'll I'll use that, that wording. Um, But if you have this history, or even right now, if you look right now and you go, wow, most of what I do is people pleasing. The first awareness, I think that's really, really important is that it's a choice you're making for yourself so that you can get your needs met. So often we go, well, I have to people please because of these people around me, right? Like I have to make them happy. No, no, it's your choice and you're doing it so that your needs can get met. And the reason I say that that's the first awareness that you need to have, just like I needed to be aware that, oh, I'm manipulating these people to get the love that I need is because it puts you back in a power position. Because so often as a people pleaser, you think other people have the power. Well, I'm only okay if they're okay. I'm only happy if they're happy. I'm only you know safe if there's no problems. And so you're giving your power away to everyone. Everyone else gets your power. And I was so bad. Mm -hmm. If I went to the grocery store and the grocery, you know, the grocery clerk didn't smile at me, I would give her my power. I would be like, oh, what can I do to make her happy? Um, Oh, I can do this and I can do that. And I can smile and I can ask about her day and I can make a funny little quip about the sale that's on about the bananas just so that she'll smile at me so that I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this awareness, like I'm not doing that for her. I'm doing that for me is important because it puts me back in the driver's seat. It makes me go, oh, this is a position of power. I control these things. Nobody else controls them. I'm not actually that concerned about her. I'm really concerned about will I get validated? And so that awareness, I think, is really, really important. And then after you get that awareness, really tapping into what are my values and what are my desires? What do I really want and what do I really value? Because what we often do is we make everybody else's values and desires most important. And when we go, no, this is what I value. Like for me, when I got into it, I went, once I know I'm worthy and I go, well, what do I value then? If, if I'm this worthy human being that deserves respect and deserves to be validated in the world and I'm making these changes in my life and you know my actions are reflecting my own new self-respect, what do I actually value? And I realized I, I, I value equality. Well, okay, great. If I value equality, then when I walk into a situation, each person is equal, mm-hmm. including myself. So what does that look like in the world? If I'm going to go with complete equality and I remove hierarchy from myself, unless it's growth hierarchy, you know, cultural hierarchy doesn't matter anymore. How does that mean I start treating people? How does that mean I show up? How does that mean I speak up? Right. So I dig into my values and what do I actually want? Right. Outside of just people pleasing and getting my little needs met, what do I actually desire in this world? What do I, what do I want to create? Where do I want to go? Because when we are people pleasing, we're motivated by fear. And when we're motivated by fear, our limits are, our options are very limited. But once you can get motivated by love, love for yourself, love for your neighbor, love for everyone, once you have that motivation, well, then what do you want to do with that? Like, where do you want to go with love? Mm-hmm. You all of a sudden get pulled instead of pushed. 
right? When you're motivated by fear, it's literally like someone is pushing you. Well, we all hate to be pushed, right? If you've ever had someone push you, it's like, what the heck is like, why are you pushing me? What the heck is going on? We don't, nobody likes that. And that's what it feels like to be motivated by fear. But when we're motivated by love, it's like someone's pulling us forward. That's beautiful. So then you can start to really dream about what are my desires? Where do I want to go? What do I want to create? And then you begin a fascinating journey. That's beautiful. And we're all created to love, you know, Mm. just to love. I know I like Bob Goff is one of my favorite authors and he wrote a book called Love Does, you know, and Mm. it's just all about seeing people who they for who they are and just loving on them. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're all looking for. Our heart is just looking for that, that love. Well, thank you so much. You have a beautiful story. I love how that transformation just took you from that, you know, it's almost like inward to the outward transformation. Mm -hmm. So that's beautiful. So our audience in the description, um, our audience will be able to get in connection with you. I see you have your own podcast, um, Mm -hmm. Art, The Art of Being. The Art of Being Human. The Art of Being Human. Thank you. And then you have um, RelaxExcellentLiving.com. Is that your website? Real Excellent Living. Yeah. Yeah, real, real excellent living. living. Okay, should have practiced that beforehand. But you know, my audience <laughs> knows okay. that I don't say words correctly, and it's okay to stutter because that's who I am. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Real, yeah, real people talking real stuff here. So there's no, uh, there's no uh, Hollywood um, uh, added, you know, scripts, cleanups, or anything like that. It's just two I real women that. talking about real that's stories. Beautiful. So if you are um, in a position where you've been people pleasing, you have been relying on others to get that fulfillment, that to fill that void in your heart, you definitely need to connect with Meg. Go to the description. You'll find the links to connect with her. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, then you can also get it in the description as well. You should be able to get a clickable link there. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this, from hearing Meg's story, please share it with them and give a review, add some feedback. You have some comments. We would love to hear from you. Love to hear what your biggest takeaway. And remember, whatever journey you are on, it's a daily healing journey and it's all a matter of the heart. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan. And as a thank you for being here, please check the description for a download to your free ebook, Forgiving the Girl Inside, Finding Balance, Freedom, and Fun in Your Life, a customized blueprint to begin or continue your own personal healing journey. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, please share it across social media media, tag them in it and post it in your stories. Let's get the word out. Let's let everyone know we are not alone and we're all on a daily healing journey. 